Let us turn in God's word this morning to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. The text for the sermon will be the 19th verse. We'll read that verse first and then go back and read the chapter. Genesis 18, verse 19, God says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Let's go back now and read this chapter in its entirety. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. He sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the herd. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Then the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great 
and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken unto me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes, Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Thus far we read the holy and inspired word of God. May God add his blessing upon the reading of the holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the words of this text are the words of the Lord. As the Lord spoke unto the two angels who had accompanied the Lord in visiting Abraham. In this visit to Abraham, the Lord had reminded Abraham of the covenant promise. The Lord had reminded Abraham that he would give to Abraham and Sarah, even in their old age, a son, and make of Abraham and Sarah a great and a mighty nation. 
And then after having brought those words unto Abraham, the text tells us that they went away from Abraham. Verse 16, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. As the Lord and the two angels went away from Abraham, Abraham followed them for a distance. And as Abraham followed the two angels and the Lord, Abraham overheard the Lord speaking to the angels about Abraham. And this is what Abraham heard the Lord speaking. Verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, says the Lord. I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. A bold assertion that the Lord made here. How is it that the Lord could say of Abraham, I know Abraham, that Abraham is going to command his household after him? How could the Lord say of Abraham, I know that Abraham's children will keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment. It's not as if the Lord could reflect upon Abraham's prior experience in teaching children, and that the Lord could evaluate how Abraham had been faithful earlier in raising his children, and so then the Lord deduced or concluded that certainly Abraham will continue to be faithful, For at this point, Abraham and Sarah are childless. How could he know? It's something that we wish that we could know as parents or as those who hope to become parents someday. We could wish to have the confidence that we will command our children in the fear of the Lord. And we would wish for the confidence as well that, yes, I know that my children will do justice and judgment and will walk in all the ways of the Lord. But God knew. God had access to information that Abraham as yet did not have access unto. God, in love for Abraham, gave Abraham to know what God already knew. How comforting, how encouraging, how reassuring this must have been to Abraham. To hear God say of him, I know him, that he will command his children according to the way of the Lord, and that the children will do justice and judgment.
And as God used these words to encourage Abraham, so may God use these words in this morning to encourage you, Joe, and Faith, and all of his people. God knew Father Abraham. First, we'll consider what, what is it that God knew about Abraham? Second, how, how did God know this? And third, why, for what purpose did God reveal this unto Abraham? What, how, why? God says that he knew regarding Abraham that he will command his children and his household after him. This is what God understood already about Abraham. Before Abraham and Sarah had been blessed with the son Isaac, God knew that Abraham would command Isaac and his whole household after him. That word command is a strong word. It's a word that indicates that one is in a, in a position of authority. It's what the army general does to the troops. He commands the troops and the troops obey the will of the army general. That Abraham would command his children indicates that Abraham was in a position of authority over his children. It's not as if the children had the same amount of authority as their father but that Abraham would command his children meant that there was a disparity of authority. Abraham had greater authority, and the children that would be born unto him had to submit unto his authority. Such is the will of God in the Christian home. It is the will of God that father and mother have a greater measure of authority than the children. But you understand that the world does not like this idea. That there is a disparity of authority. That father and mother have the right to command their children. And so the devil, through his tactics, seeks to undermine this will of the Lord. He would have it be that instead of the parents commanding their children to walk in the ways of the Lord, that parents simply suggest unto their children to walk in the fear of the Lord. Instead of requiring that the children obey father and mother, and instead of there being consequences for the children, if the children do not obey father and mother, the world would say, simply lead by your example. Simply suggest unto them that this would be a good idea for them to do, but do not command them. Do not require it. God knew that Abraham would command his children and all of his household according to the ways of the Lord. This is not an excuse for parents to put needless rules 
in place. Parents must not provoke their children to wrath by the rules of the home. But there is to be authority in the home. The parents have the right to require of their children obedience. And if not, there is the rod. But there's more to this word command. It's not just the idea of someone in authority exercising his will over those who are under one one. But this word command also has this idea of giving instruction. The idea is of coming alongside of someone, assisting them, guiding them, showing them the way in which they are to go. And that gives unto us a more complete idea here of this word commandment. It's not as if Abraham was going to be a tyrant in the home. It's not as if Abraham could come up with whatever rule he wanted that would serve his pleasures and his desires. But Abraham, God knew, would lead by his own example. Abraham would be set by God as an authority figure in the home, but Abraham would not be the ultimate authority. For there would be someone who ruled over Abraham. Abraham would command his children, but God would command Abraham. And so there's evidence then in the Scriptures of Abraham submitting unto the commandments of God. Even when the Lord required difficult things of Abraham, Abraham listened to the Lord. When God called Abraham to take Isaac, his only son, and to go up that mount and to make there the tabernacle and then to tie his only son Son to that tabernacle, he obeyed. Abraham led by his own example. And may it be likewise in our homes that father and mother do not put rules in place that go beyond what father and mother would require of themselves. But may father and mother, as they command their children, teach their children. This is why this rule is in place. God knew, Father Abraham, that he would command his children in his household after him. But then as well, God knew something about Abraham's children. God knew of his children that they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. We do well to consider who are these children that God speaks of. 
Notice that the text uses the plural. God says, I know Abraham that he will command his children, and they, the plural, shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. At this point, Abraham and Sarah are childless. Later on, Abraham and Sarah will be blessed with one child, Isaac. It is true that Abraham had a son with his handmaid, Hagar, Ishmael. But it cannot be the reference, this text cannot be referring to Ishmael here, for it's evident that Ishmael did not do justice and judgment. It also is the case that after Sarah died, that then Abraham remarried, married Keturah, and he had six more sons with Keturah. But that also cannot be the explanation for why this text uses the plural children. For later history would show that some of these sons born unto Keturah would become the enemies of the nation of Israel. And so if the plural children is not explained by Ishmael's birth, and if it is not explained by the six sons who were born unto Keturah, then what is the explanation for children? Why does God say that I know of these children that they will do justice and judgment? What we must understand here is that as God spoke to Abraham and addressed Abraham as a father of children, that what God had in view here was all of the covenant church that would come forth from Abraham. God had in view here all of the covenant nation. So included here as among the children of Abraham is not just Isaac, but also Jacob. And then the 12 sons of Jacob included is Moses and David and Solomon. And as we move then into the New Testament, we see that included among the children of Abraham are all of those to whom God has given faith. Who are the children of Abraham? They are those who believe in, who trust in, and who follow Jehovah God. Galatians 3, verse 7 makes this clear. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The children of Abraham are those who are united unto their Savior by that unbreakable bond. Included in the children of Abraham then are all of the nations of the earth. For there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. 
who are the children of Abraham, it's you and me and all of God's people. God says regarding you, those who have been given the gift of faith, I know that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That's what faithful covenant children do. They hear the instruction of father and mother, and they do not rebel against that instruction. They do not stamp their feet angrily and walk away from mom and dad when mom and dad give them commandments. They do not pout. They do not throw a tantrum of anger. But covenant, discerning children keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Oh, to be sure, children understand that there is another way besides the way of the Lord. There is the way of the world, the way of disbelief, the way of lawlessness, the way of disobedience. And it doesn't take parents long to understand in their children that children by nature are inclined unto ways of wickedness and disobedience. Soon the young children reveals that indeed he was conceived and born in sin. He arches his back in defiance of the will of mother and father. He reaches out to grab a hold of that which mom just said, do not touch. And yet, the word of God is, I know. I know that Abraham's children shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. A covenant parent clings to this truth. For at times it seems as if children are not doing the way of the Lord and performing truth and justice. Parents, parents can become quite discouraged in the work of teaching and rearing up their children. Parents can become so discouraged that They might reason within themselves that it is futile. It is a waste of my time to teach and instruct and admonish the children anymore. And so then the parents do well to be encouraged with the word of the Lord. God says, I know, I know that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. God knows that His children who are bought with the blood of the Lamb will have their hearts softened by the work of the Holy Spirit. God knows because He is the one who is at work in them, 
powerfully bending their will so that more and more the children renounce their own will and without murmuring obey the will of their Father which is in heaven. God knows. Even when we feel that we don't know, He knows. But how could God know this? Before Abraham and Sarah even had a son, God knew. Generally, the answer to that question is God knew because He is the omniscient one. There is nothing that is hid from the knowledge of God. Psalm 44, verse 21, the psalmist declares, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. God knew Abraham and how Abraham would command his children And God knew as well how the children would conduct themselves in Abraham's home because God is the all-knowing, all-wise, understanding Lord of hosts. He knows the major events of life, the birth of children, the sicknesses and diseases that come to us on this earth, the death, of an elderly saint. God knows that. But He knows as well what we would call the minor events of life. He knows of the day-to-day trials and hardships that we have. The fears and anxieties that oftentimes rise up in the hearts of His children. God knows. This reality that God knows everything and that God is the eternal cause of everything is profitable for us to contemplate from time to time. It is a simple truth. Even the children are taught that God knows and searches the hearts. And yet it is a truth that we ought not to be dismissive of. For God is pleased to use the contemplation of His omniscience to bring consolation to us as parents. How many things are there that we as parents do not know? Even before the child is born, There are uncertainties, unknowns. How will the pregnancy go? Will the child be delivered safely? And then after the child is born, many more things that mother and father do not know. Why does this child cry unconsolably? Why is the child developing at the rate that he is? Why is my child behind in his or her development? So many things that parents do not understand about their children. We search for answers, but at times God hides 
those answers from us. In those times of uncertainty, then we do well to consider God knows. I know, Father Abraham, and I know that the children of Father Abraham will do justice and judgment. Even greater comfort is given to us when we consider the fact that God knows and is sovereign over the sins of our children. How many sleepless nights do not parents have as they struggle to understand and know how to respond to the sinful deeds of their children? Why is this child walking in disobedience? Why is this child not hearkening unto the commands of the Lord? Oftentimes, we do not know the answers to those questions. Generally, we know the explanation for sin upon this earth. It's because of that hereditary nature that we have given unto our children. Why do my children walk in sin? Because they've received that corrupt nature from father and mother. But it's the specifics that we struggle with. Why does this particular child persist in walking in sin? Why is it that with the one child, a stern glance is enough to soften that child, but then with the next child, it seems that the repeated use of the rod still does not have the intended effect of turning that child's heart unto Jehovah. Why is it that one child gives great evidence of faith, but then in the other child there might be little or even no evidence of faith? We don't know, but the omniscient one knows. He was sovereign over the greatest evil that was ever committed, the death of his son. Jesus, delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God knew that his son would be killed and was sovereign over that act. If he was sovereign over that act of the death of his son, is he not likewise sovereign over the sins of our children? But we may become more specific in answering the question, how did God know Father Abraham God knew Abraham and his children, not merely generally because God is the omniscient one, but God knew Abraham and his children more specifically because God chose Abraham. This comes out from that word, know. For I know him. That word know does not simply communicate unto us that God understood Abraham. It does not merely convey to us that God knew certain aspects or truths about Abraham. He knew Abraham's personality. He knew Abraham's strengths as well as Abraham's weaknesses. 
It does not simply convey unto us that God knew the desires of Abraham's heart and the will of Abraham. But the word communicates unto us more. It communicates unto us the tender affection and love of God. When God said regarding Abraham, I know him, God was saying of Abraham, I know him with the knowledge of love. It's the same word that's used in Genesis in describing the relationship of love between Adam and Eve. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and brought forth a son. And so the word calls to mind then the nearness of God unto Father Abraham. God was not far removed from Abraham. He was not distant from Abraham. But God loved Abraham. And with that word, no, I know him. God conveyed that love unto Abraham. And thus it is then that this text calls to mind then the truth of election. For election is rooted in love. It's because God loves His people and has loved them from all eternity that He chooses His children. Ephesians 1, in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children in Christ Jesus. And so in this text, then, God conveyed unto Abraham, Abraham, I know you because I have chosen you. Out of all of the individuals upon the earth, out of all of the nations of the earth, God chose Abraham. It could even be translated that way, for I chose him that he will command his children and his household after him. In love, God selected Abraham to be included in God's own family. And in love, God set Abraham to be the father of the covenant nation. I know him, God says. I know of his weaknesses. I know of his sins. I know how he lied when he was down in Egypt. How he lied about Sarah being his wife. I know that. I know the weakness of faith of his wife, Sarah. I know how she just laughed. When I repeated the word that I would make a great nation out of Abraham and Sarah, I know, and yet I love him. That's the word of God to Christian parents. I know you. I know. All of your weaknesses. I know how you struggle to believe 
by promises contained in the scriptures. I know of the disbelief found in your hearts by nature. I know how as you evaluate yourself, you judge yourself to be inadequate and insufficient for the work of commanding covenant children in the way of the Lord. I know that, God says, and I love you. I have loved you everlastingly. I loved you so much that I sent the seed of Abraham into this world to suffer and die for your sins. Enemies of the doctrine of predestination would say, don't talk about it. Don't emphasize God's eternal choosing of His people. If you emphasize God's eternal choice and the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, it will result in lazy Christians. You'll have people who will then use the doctrine of predestination as an excuse unto licentiousness, living in an ungodly lifestyle. But how far is that from the truth? How far is that from this text? I know him. And what's the result of God? knowing Abraham, of God's choice of Abraham. I know him in order that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That's why God revealed unto Abraham that he knew him in order that, at the end of verse 19, the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Great things God had spoken of Abraham and to Abraham. God said of Abraham in verse 18, Abraham will become a great and a mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God said unto Abraham, I have in store for you a land, a rich land, that will be sufficient to provide for you and for your children. God said unto Abraham, Abraham, I'm not going to make you work for that land, but I will give you that land as a gift. It is an inheritance that I will give unto you. God promised that he would bring unto Abraham that which God had spoken of him. The Lord is the one who would bring unto Abraham these blessings. God would perform what by nature would be impossible. God would use Abraham and Sarah, who were now well advanced 
in years, beyond the years of childbearing, and God would work in them the miracle of bringing forth a covenant son. It would become abundantly clear that as Abraham and Sarah received this blessing, it would only be because of grace. The word spoken unto Abraham were the covenant promise. It was it were words that would take many, many years to fulfill. From Abraham would come Isaac, and then Jacob, then the twelve sons, and then captivity in Egypt for 400 years. Eventually they would be delivered out of Egypt and brought into that land of promise, But even then, they would not receive the completion of that covenant promise. Eventually would come the Messiah, the promised seed of Abraham. In Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. In Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham would receive the pardon of their sins. But up until this present Day, God continues to bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. As God gives to an, a Christian couple yet another child, and as God leads that Christian couple forward to present the child for baptism, God gives unto us another sign and seal that He is fulfilling the word that He spoke unto Abraham. May this word encourage us as Christian parents. He knows us, the spiritual children of Abraham, He will continue to know us until at last he brings us into that promised inheritance of heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for thy grace unto us. We are undeserving of any of thy benefits and thy blessings. Thou hast been very good unto us. We give thanks and praise and glory unto thee. Thou art the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love thee through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name alone we pray. Amen.